This is not your mother's middle age. No longer is waking up each day, living the wash, rinse, and repeat cycle acceptable. We have the life lessons, the relationships, the wins, and the losses with which to navigate to our highest self without hesitation and without fear leading the way. We have been there and done that, and so we have so much to offer the world and each other. So join me on this journey speaking to ordinary women doing extraordinary things for new insights, new ideas, new medical breakthroughs, and new life lessons. You will be inspired to find your best life here and now. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire, and this is your Second Wind Podcast. Hey, Second Winders. Every one of us has a story, and Joyce Beverly believes that our stories matter. As a lifelong community journalist, Joyce has been sharing people's stories for more than 40 years. In 2020, Joyce took storytelling to another level by founding My Storyographer. Today, she writes and edits memoirs, teaches people to write their own stories, publishes life storybooks, and provides consulting services for self-publishing your book. And when you're ready to tell your story, Joyce is there to help. Joyce has quite a story of her own. And, you know, she's always the one helping people tell their stories. And I looked at her, I said, well, you have a story. You have a good story. And one that's going to serve many others. And with a little arm twisting, we are here today. So welcome, Joyce. Thank you, Wendy. I'm excited and I appreciate what you're doing all of us, you know, when we reinvent ourselves or when we're dreaming about reinventing ourselves, it helps to know we're not the only one. In fact, that's kind of what I think is that the heart of telling your story is it helps to know you're not the only one. Uh, yeah. The real motivation for me, I tell my students, my clients all the time, you know, your story can be the lifeline for someone who needs to know how in the world am I going to get through this? So true. Thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. And I met Joyce. We met, gosh, 13 years ago, maybe at a business women's group or yeah, something like that. And then right. what became the business women of Fayette and Coweta County and you came and spoke, you were like that person. Ooh, she's the editor of a magazine and stuff. Like she's that woman. And I was always impressed by you and what you were doing. And the Fayette Woman magazine was huge. I used to look at that magazine when we moved to Georgia and say to myself, someday I want to be one of those people in those pictures in the back. Why can't I be one of those people? I ended up being in it a lot, actually. Yeah. And it wasn't for because I had a lot of money and I was, you know, <laughs> it wasn't for like my gala. <laughs> it was for other stuff that I was doing. But yeah. So it was really cool. And that's how we met. So it was very nice to find you at Connie Jones's book signing because you helped her write her book. I did. Connie and I started working together late in 2019. And at that time, I was winding down what I'd been doing for a long time. And in some ways, I knew some things I knew I was winding down and some things I didn't know I was winding down. You know, right. some things wind themselves down you're the last to know, or, or maybe the next to the last to know. Right. That was going on. And so Connie and I had been friends for a while, and I'd actually been a client of hers. And I knew that she had a book she was working on 
and I saw that I was about to have a little more bandwidth. And I said, you know, maybe, maybe I can help you with that. And a year and a half later, yep. pandemic later, closing okay. a business or not closing, but selling a business and reinventing a business and starting a new business later, I ran into you at her book signing and it was, it was really fun. Extraordinary. It was meant to be, obviously. And Connie has been on the podcast and I've been on her podcast since. So it's all coming together. However, before we dive down all these paths, let's talk about you and your moment, your switch that had you start your second win, which is really like a whole lot of wins, but it's the major one now that has kind of changed your trajectory a little bit, wouldn't you say? A lot. Yes. In fact, okay, a lot. I, I suspect Steve Jobs said it famously, we cannot connect the dots going forward, but looking backward, we can see how this led to this led to this. I'm confident that I don't know all the things that I'm leading to or all the things that are going to unfold, the good, the bad, whatever. Thank goodness. I don't know all that, but I do know that the adventure's underway and I'm having a wonderful time. I am still, though, for those of you who have been entrepreneurs or in whatever you've done in your career, just because you've done something before doesn't make doing something new easy. Mm, okay? That is true. There are some things that are easier. There's probably some mistakes that you've already learned the hard way, but mm -hmm. there's new things. There's new things. And then there's managing yourself, which is the hardest thing ever to manage. Managing your own energy and your own changing situations and circumstances. So it's not unlike the beginning. I became a business owner when I was 26 and I had about a 16 month old, 17 maybe. And I had a four and a half year old, five and a half year old and a husband. Those were challenging times. This was not any kind of lucrative situation. It was an existing business that needed to be improved if we were going to eat and pay okay. our bills, you know. So been there, done that. But when you're starting over, in a way, you're doing it again. Yeah. I just want to encourage people that if you are making a change, some things you're going to go, oh, yes, I know better or I know what to do about that. And other things are going to be, oh, wait. I haven't really done this before. So it's an adventure. If I did describe it in one word, it's an adventure. And I suspect that's true for everyone. Absolutely. Every, everyone that I've spoken to on the podcast, it still contains the fear, the imposter syndrome, the what ifs, right? All of that. And the only thing that you may have on your side is, you know, oh, I can figure that out. I don't actually need to pay somebody to do that for me. Or sometimes I don't have to figure that out. I can pay somebody to. Right. You're able it goes to both ways. Yeah. Now you're able to say, I know my time. Hopefully you're able to say, I know my time is valuable at this point. I know what I am good and not good at. Things that I want to spend time at. And you can, you know, divvy up the tasks accordingly. So tell us a little bit about your second wind. Well, my second wind, it was really... Again, I bet, I think so many things in my story are true for other people. It's kind of universal. I went back to what I loved in the beginning. And that is writing and telling the story, true people's life stories. Or, you know, 
those profiles where we get to see the person behind whatever that is that they're known for. Who is that person really? So it's just so funny. That's what you want me to talk about because that's what I talk to people about. And I listen, when I have an opportunity to listen to your podcast, I enjoy it so much because you are doing exactly what I love to do, which is yeah, just talk about, just talk about what it, how'd you get here and what were the yeah. obstacles and what were the wins and what would you do differently? And what advice would you give yourself if you could go back 20 years? Yeah. All of that. All of that. So what is it that you're doing? I kind of said it already, but <laughs> I am doing, this is a challenge for someone who's creative like me, probably too many things, but I'm learning from all of them and honing in on what it is I do best. But I teach a class on how to write about your life. I teach that online with both recorded and live Zooms. I'm doing some ghostwriting for people who want to tell their life story, but they're busy or they just know that that's going to be such a, it's going to take more time than they have to put into it. So they find somebody like me who can help them tell that story in a way that maybe would be a challenge for them. So I do that. I help people who have a book ready to publish. I help them get that self-published in such a way that it's high, high quality, but they retain all of their rights. It's really important and really easy to miss. And I edit books and I coach people and edit as we go to. And I'm probably forgetting something, but those are the things that I spend most of my time doing. Well, you're kind of coaching and advising people along the way. All the time, really. Right? Yeah. yeah, even in the ghostwriting. And I have my own writing projects that I work on and still want to complete. And that sounds, if that sounds ironic to you, it is. And the thing <laughs> that makes me, that comforts me about that is, in the past couple of years, it started actually at the beginning of COVID. I met some amazing people who were on similar journeys with that I am on. Some are further along in some areas and others were walking it together. But I met an editor that I particularly admire and respect. And I was fortunate a couple of weeks ago to be on a live launch for her own book. She's been editing books for like a dozen years. Oh, wow. And finally, she has her own out there. And it's not uncommon for those of us who can help other people. The cobbler's children don't always have their shoes. <laughs> their shoes. Right. It's just, it's funny, but I have my own writing projects that I'm working on. Excellent. Well, let's find out a little bit about Joyce Beverly, like who you are. What I, name? Because you, you had so many things and so many situations and circumstances that have led you to where you are as do we all so, <laughs> I grew up in uh, a very rural area of Georgia uh, near Augusta Georgia about 20 miles south the road that I lived on when I was growing up is five miles long and there's about 25 houses on it there's mm -hmm. still only I mean there might be 35 houses on it now but there's probably not more and a whole lot of the same people or families who lived there then live there now. Um, it's a sacred place to me. I think about it often. My brother and sister and I grew up together while our parents were working and it was fun. And I just need to go ahead and say, I think I told you a few minutes ago, 
I would not say that we had an ordinary childhood. I don't know that anyone does, but our dad was quite the idea guy and quite the inventor. And he was really brilliant mechanically. And he became a pilot, a private, he got his private pilot's license when I was probably eight. It's that. And one day he landed a plane on the street in front of our on the street, it's not a street, on the road in front of our house. We had my mom <laughs> stopping traffic in the other direction in the curve where there was a curve that straight away, those people were on their own. They couldn't see it coming. I don't know what his plan was for that, but um, <laughs> he taxied into the driveway, cut down my mom's famous tree and put the favorite tree and put this little plane under a tin shed. And I do mean a tin rickety shed in the backyard took it completely apart, put it back together and flew it back out of there. So I, I don't think that happened to everyone when they were growing up. No, and probably not. One of our life. You <laughs> um, know, I usually that. The aviation industry probably have had some similar experiences, but dad was always doing something and it wasn't what other people's dads were doing. May Musk grew up with her parents flying her. Yeah. All over the place. It was just very interesting. So that, you know, did you go in the plane? Oh, I flew with my dad many times. Oh, wow. My granddad, okay. my granddad there were this, all these men around there who had gotten their pilot's license. And it was like this little aviation bubble out in the farmland. And my granddad managed to farm maybe 14 miles away. And sometimes you could have driven me there in 15 minutes. Okay. But they would fly back and forth. <laughs> yes, I'm here. Yeah, no. Oh my God. Not just fun. It's so cool. But unusual. My dad was always getting, starting or going into different businesses and none of them quite worked out, but we learned a lot and he just kept trying. When someone said about him that something really stuck with me is he never quit. He never gave up. And so I think if I could say that one thing that I think all of us got from him was don't quit, don't give up, you know, okay. that's big. So that's maybe off the topic, but top of mind for me what? right now. This is off topic. So that's sort of, you know, we, you look around, I think everyone feels that our families don't like other people or whatever. And, and when you are growing up, that's like, oh my goodness, why can't we just be like other people, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and none of us are, we're all our own people. Every family is a little different. And so... We had an extraordinary childhood. We wouldn't be the same without him. And mom, of course, because when you're in a situation like that, someone has to be the rock stable, stable yeah. force. So that was definitely mom. But they were they were a good team for us as kids and even as for the grandkids. So, but anyway, so that's just a little bit about how I was growing up. I was always really creative and the same kind of issues that I had then, I have now, although... I think I manage them better, but I can, my husband says, I can think of more things to do than I can do. Oh, interesting. I can think of more things than an army of people can do. And so just, oh, that sounds fun. Oh, that would be cool. Why can't we do this? Well, we can, but we can't do them all at once. Mm. And so I think if you're a creative person and you're listening to this, know that you're not the only one. So your mind races a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so it causes, it's both wonderful and exhausting. Oh, okay. And when I was younger, sometimes it would really, 
I would really struggle. I even had struggled for many years with depression because when you have overwhelmed yourself, sometimes there's nowhere to go. And oh, wow. That is something that I have a ton of experience with and empathy for with people whose ideas sometimes gang up on you and you're like, wait, what was I doing? That's like overwhelm. I'm just curious. Is that sort of a, you have all these ideas. Do you feel like you should be able to do them? And then you're upset that with yourself that you're not, or is that a starting stopping thing? Like what does that? Sometimes. I mean, yes, I definitely get frustrated with myself because I haven't quite finished this thing or that thing yet, you know, and it's just a pacing thing. Everyone, I think, deals with it in some way or another. But I think that when you are creative, particularly, or when you're fortunate enough to be in work that rewards you for your creativity, it is really easy to think of more things than you can do. So choosing is a challenge. Okay. So what age did you start feeling that? From teenage years. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And it and really it ebbed and flowed, but for thirty years. Mm. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, you know, ebb and flow now, but it's just at some point experience kicks in. You had absolutely- I've been here before. I think that's the thing. Yeah. That that's the thing for me in the second wind that is so powerful. That is where your experience pays off so much when you are able to say, wait a minute, you know what? This feels a little bit like this time period when I didn't know how that was going to work out. Don't worry about it. It's going to work out. Just do the thing in front of you that you know you need to do next and then the next thing and the next thing. And pretty soon you can see what you need to do next. You don't always have to know uh, what's 10 steps down the road. Just do the one step and the next step. And then pretty soon you've taken 10 or 20 or 30 steps and you're a long ways from where you started. It's like living without expectations on how things and people and whatever situation you have in front of you is supposed to look like or should look like and oh, what ifs, right? And if you get rid of that, you can focus on what you're doing. And I think to myself now that I've kind of learned how to do that, I look back and go, oh my gosh, I wasted so much time. Right, right. Ah, and I think I realized you asked me like, who am I? And you originally talked about what is it you're doing now? And I said, I'm, I went back to the beginning. Well, I knew when I was 10 years old that I wanted to be a writer. You know, I knew that. And when I was a little older, I did a ton of writing, even as a teenager. But I, when I was older, I thought, you know, I'm not, I'm not Stephen King. I'm not Hemingway. I'm not all these people. I probably better get a real job. Were you telling me, I think that you said to me that when you were younger, you kind of make up your own little, like little magazine things. You would write out your own little stories and stuff. I took that out of that and I actually did it in high school. I did it for our school, did our high school paper and I even did our community paper. Even still in high school, I worked there. So I've been working in community journalism for over 40 years. And I cut my teeth there and I learned everything there, really. And the thing that I learned is that everyone has a story. Everyone is unique and very few people find the time or feel like they can stop and tell that story. But when they do or when someone helps them with it, it's such an eye opener. 
you know, publishing the magazine that I did in our community for so long, the thing that I heard over and over again was, I had no idea. I had no idea that uh, this person did this or that or had this in their background. No idea, you know? And then there's that piece of it that, oh my goodness, I've been through something like that too. I'm not the only one. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing that I feel like people get the most from is I'm not the only one who needed to try to figure that out. Right. And also that the picture of and the persona that you see who's accomplished this, right? One of the many reasons for this podcast is to collect, connect, and share information that will add to your life. It is my honor and pleasure to share products with you that I buy, use, and believe in that are high quality, sustainable, responsible to our earth, and that actually work. One product I have been using for almost a year now, every day, and now twice a day with the diagnosis of my Lyme disease is collagen. Collagen is a buzzword right now because collagen is a protein that makes up 30% of our bodies. And like everything else, as we age, we lose it. Fine lines, brittle nails, dull hair, achy joints, dry skin are all part of why collagen is so essential. So let me share why Elaine Collagen, the brand I use, is in my opinion more effective than what's out there on those shelves. It is easy to use, tasteless, and dissolves into any beverage. It's non-GMO, and it's from cows raised in Spain, and no chemicals are used for its extraction. Bingo, speaking my language. You can experience the benefits for yourself and receive 15% off by using the code SECONDWIND, all one word, at checkout at elainewellness.com. And if you want to know more about Elaine and her Second Wind story, listen to her episode. The title is Plot Twist. There's no such thing as anti-aging from March 15, 2021. Now, back to the episode. It looks great and pretty and lovely on paper. And then when you actually dig into the story a little bit, it's like, oh, that's me. Right? Right. Right. There's something you can identify with that it may, that everyone is very real. Garrison Keillor, one of my favorite writers, Garrison said, we always have a backstage view of ourselves. We always see the mess behind the curtain. And we have, he didn't say this, I'm saying it. We have the fake book view of everyone else. The fake book view of everyone else, Mm -hmm. which is incredible because you and I were talking that often puts some serious parameters or doubt or expectations. Right. Am I getting it right? Why am I not able to do what, you know, so-and-so is doing or they make that look so easy and I'm not there. You know, it's really easy. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief. And it's hard for people. We're all human. It's hard not to compare ourselves to the seeming success stories that there's just this never ending stream of them. And there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that for me. And there's more to it than that for everyone. Well, I know you were like the youngest person in the first newspaper you were brought into. Oh, yeah. For sure. I've been the youngest person for a long time everywhere I went. Recently, I've found myself in the room and I look around and I go, oh my goodness, just not the youngest person. I'm the oldest person. I'm the oldest person. Exactly. 
I'm like, I'm in this class and I go, whoa, what's she doing? <laughs> right? right? Yeah, it kind of snuck up on us, I think. It did. <laughs> but it came with a lot of advantages. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look at that now. Now you can. So how did you get to like the stepping stones of all these different jobs? And then you ended up, people just kept hiring me. Just people just kept hiring me. I mean, you, you ended up being a single mom for a little while. I did. So my first husband was also an aviator. Aviation definitely is a theme in our family story. My youngest son grew up to be one too. So he was in the Air Force. And when he got out of the Air Force to, you know, do commercial flying, there was this break period. And so we went back to the community where I grew up. And it was supposed to be just a little short stop, but it ended up being a much longer stop. And so I am there thinking about what I'm going to do. And the guy who owned the newspaper there at the time heard I was around and called me up and said, Will you come to work? And I thought, well, I better do something. So, well, because while you were there, that's when you all got divorced. So you just no, no, we got divorced after. So I ended up buying that newspaper and buying the sister paper to it, and basically owning my hometown newspaper. And then a few years into that, let's see, probably five or six years into that is when it was just hard to make it all work. And there are few things harder than trying to run a business, trying to build a business, trying to build a family. There are a few things harder than that on a marriage. And people, we are one of the many casualties that mm -hmm. came out of that. And there were other factors because there always are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was hard and we didn't make it. Okay. So you stay and now you're a single mom with running a business. A bunch of businesses all under one roof. <laughs> yeah, running a business. Raising two boys who have a lot of energy. And they and, went uh, with you sometimes, right? They did. They did. As a matter of fact, one of them called me one day, the youngest who ended up flying. You know, an old-fashioned newspaper at this point. I think it's okay to call them old-fashioned. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> or online. Yes. Well, right. But that paper product is harder and harder to get your hands on. And so he was calling me up one day to say how much he loved all the hotels that he went and how much he loved that there was a newspaper there for him. You know, he loved USA Today and he went kind of deep into what he liked about it. But then he said, but mom, here's what I realized. It smells like my childhood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a fun moment. And I was like, yes, it does smell like your childhood. You created that. I did. You did. It was fun. They both had their roles that they played. One helped deliver papers and grew up not wanting his driver's license because he said, oh, I don't want to get my driver's license. My mom will make me deliver papers. <laughs> Called child labor. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yes. Right. And the youngest would ride his bike from our house to that office. And whatever he saw along the way, he'd come bounding in the door and go tell the reporters. I saw the police going here and there. So it was just, oh, wow. it was an unusual way to grow up. So I think when I think about it that way, it was unusual. The life I grew up in was unusual and I've, the life my kids grew up in was unusual. So how did that time go? You made it happen because you're not a quitter. We already know that. So Are you still struggling? We just didn't quit. 
I mean, here you are, but are you still struggling with the ups and downs of depression during this time? No, I I think no more than most people do. You know, for instance, my father just died. That's not the easiest time. Okay. I will probably always be trying to do more than a person can humanly do. So that will always be a little bit of frustration. I think it's part of the creative tension. All right. But I had some great, first of all, I had great support. My family and friends were amazing because anyone who's dealt with depression knows that sometimes just getting out of bed, that's the hardest thing you do all day. And when you're trying to run a business or run a family, people like for you to get up and go do stuff, you know? Yeah. So I had some of those days and I tell you, my mom was amazing. Mm. My mom knew, she knew me better than I did. And it wasn't uncommon when it was really a low moment for mom to just be there with me. She just, whatever she was doing, she took the day off. She came to stay with me. me. You know, friends, family, people recognizing this is not the best day and just being there with you. Hey, let's go to lunch. It's huge. It's huge. Sounds like that really helped keep you. It did. I also dealt with some very good professionals. Very good. I cannot stress enough how helpful that was and will again, if needed, you know, that's just, it's just part of the journey. If it comes back, I think some of us are genetically more susceptible to that when it comes back. Knowing what to do though is a big help, you know, Hey, this one I'm not coming out of. I think I need to call somebody. Yeah. It's been a long time, but it, but you know, it can happen. Yeah. And I think so between having a wonderful support system and knowing when it was time to say, I just, I need to talk to somebody about this and people who can help me with cognitive therapy and even medication at times, whatever it takes, let's just deal with this. That's excellent. And especially asking for help. That's everything, I think. It is. It is. So as you travel through these years and your children are growing up, what happens? Where do you go from here? Well, it's my personal journey has really driven my professional life. And I think that's probably true for a lot of people. You know, I end up here, so I end up doing this or that because I have this skill and this is where I live. I married again about four or five years after I divorced. I married a second time. When I was running that paper, I was living in my hometown, basically in my home county. Eventually, the boys and I moved across the state to where we live now. And that was a whole different life. I eventually sold that business. That was not an easy decision, but it was the right decision for me and my family at the time. And when you're selling a local institution, it's hard. But it was the right thing for me. But did you know with a job? I actually didn't. Okay, so that's a little different. Yes, the business was at a point that I did have people in place that could more or less keep it going. And I managed from a distance. I came over a lot. And I had a big fear. In fact, it was a big, one of the driving fears was that so I would lose someone on that very good team and have to come back. And I knew right. I, that wasn't what I needed to do. I had two teenage boys. They need a mom. And mm-hmm. so here we are living in a completely different community. Couldn't be more different. You know, I went from one of the most 
socioeconomically deprived counties in the state to one of the most affluent counties in the state. And that is a little bit of a cultural radical difference. I didn't notice that much. That may sound, the things that I noticed were odd, but I think one piece of the story that is blatantly missing here is that my children's dad, my first husband died. Okay. And it was very tragic and unexpected. And that was when I said, look, my husband and I, even though I had married, we lived in two different communities because we both had businesses. It was hard to unwind all that. And I thought, you know, I'm living like a single mom and just don't need to do that anymore. That's not the right thing for these, for any of us. Right. And so that was the catalyst, I suppose, for when we moved. But it ended up being a wonderful thing. And my husband, it was also in local journalism, published the local paper, had no intention of working with him or for him, no intention. I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but I just had no intention of doing that. And one day he came home and he said, my sales manager is retiring. I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, I probably made dinner and thought about it. And I said, well, do you want me to help you until you figure it out? And he's like, that would be amazing. So 20 something years later, I don't think he ever figured it out. I stuck around. (laughs) He never really went looking for someone else. No, he didn't. That was a great run. It was challenging. It had its ups and downs. Working with your spouse is never easy. And I think you know that. I think you've done that. Mm -hmm. You know, this was new for us. We had both been in charge of our operations. So I would say once a month he fired me and once a month I quit. But, you know, (laughs) on the weeks when I didn't get fired or I didn't quit, those were pretty good weeks. Yeah. Two weeks a month, we were good. That That was the first year. Don't talk to me like I'm an employee. Talk to yeah, me however you yeah. want to, but I'm I'm going to do what I'm going to do. <laughs> you know, that too. A little bit of that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So bring us fast forward because now you're helping and you're doing a great job and you end up, you're like the editor, right? You become the editor. Well, actually, so my husband publishes the local newspaper, but he didn't have, that's what they did. In the meantime, I went to a luncheon one day and met this lady who had started the local magazine and this kind of scheming lady who ended up working with us, made sure we sat together and we really hit it off and not too, I don't know, it was maybe a few months later, she comes to me, she and her daughter had started the magazine and she said, my daughter went to work for corporate America and I don't want to work this hard. Would you like to take this over? And it happened to be at the time that I was selling my business and I said, yes, I would, you know, I would, because I think I know what to do with it. And that was sort of some hubris there, but I just thought, oh, this would be so fun. And I thought, well, it's very creative. You get to use your creative energy. A lot of the skills, but a different end result, Mm -hmm. all the skills, but a different end result. And so I ended up publishing that. And from there, that was, and always will be the most rewarding job from a personal satisfaction standpoint. I loved that and will always love that. Met amazing people, got to tell stories. And, you know, I knew how much I loved people's stories, but seeing what it did for people to have their stories told, seeing how they responded, how their families responded, how the community responded, that was extraordinary. 
kind of warmed your heart a little bit, didn't it? Ever, all the time. All the yeah. Time. That's fantastic. It's easy to, that's I easy just wanted to be on that magazine cover. I can only do once a okay. month. You know what? Let's talk about that for a minute because it's why I do what I do now. Because I can only tell one a month and now I can tell lots. <laughs> Good point. Good point. You were in that business for how long? Totally. Which which one? The, 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 the woman before you sat in that room with everyone for that. Remember yeah, that meeting? Yeah, I do. Almost 18 years. Yeah. 18 years. Ah, okay. Now, where did the time go? I know. I know. Time has a way of flying by. Crazy. And this is, we started, when we started the pre-interview with this, this is the story you told me on how things kind of changed again for you. Another little blip in the radar, so to speak. You were sitting in a meeting. Well, so we closed the print product of our newspaper. And in the process of that, many of the people who were on our team were displaced of their own choosing. There was just not enough to do. And so that affected both operations and it was harder and harder to do. And it had been hard for a while because as we both know, it's just harder to make a print publication work when there's so many people's attention so fractured. And yeah, yes. so it was harder and harder to do. And there were, so I just had a meeting. I rounded up six or seven women in the community that I knew would give me great advice. And I said, look, I'm not sure what to do about this. And I hate to stop doing it. Their response was tremendous. They were like, go do the thing in your heart. Mm -hmm. Take it to the next level. Go do it. You don't owe us anything. And they didn't just release me. They blessed me. Wow. And that was tremendous. What did you do with that? That Because that's not what you really thought they were going to say. Did you? Did you have it? I didn't really know. I don't think any... That was one of the most extraordinary evenings of my life. And I don't think this person in that room knew what that evening was going to be like when they got there. And I think any of them that you would ask would say it was one of the most extraordinary evenings ever. What did I do with it? I took it the ball and ran with it. I said, okay. So you get in your car. So wait, I love this part. So something like this mic drops for you, basically. And you now are leaving the meeting. You're getting in your car and you're driving home. What is going through your head? Well, goodness, you're good. Oh, thank you. These are the things that happen to me when something crazy, miraculous, who just did that kind of thing. I felt and all of the hard by myself. I felt all of the joy. Mm. They had affirmed me in what I had spent nearly 20 years doing wow. and blessed me to go to the next level. And it was this, the most opposite of being held back that there can be. At that time I did, and I will always feel like the most blessed person for having friends and people who, savvy people, this was a savvy group of folks who are like, look how much more you could do if you're not trying to do it all. And it was gotcha. wonderful. Gotcha. Okay. So I felt appreciated and also free. Okay. So. Gosh, were you also like, ooh, terrified? What is next? <laughs> what is next? I have all this freedom now. There is no ceiling. I am going to explore. Ooh, it's back. Fortunately, I already had work that I was doing. And then 
Oh, just a few. I had a couple of projects I was working on. And then within a few weeks, we were all staying home because this was late January, early February of 2020. The timing is everything, I tell you. It was extraordinary timing. So you evolve and you say, I'm going to. I'm going to write. I'm going to edit. And I was working with two clients at the time on their books. And I'm like, well, what are they going to do when we're done? You know, what happens then? And I thought, we've worked so hard on this as a team. I'm not just going to say, okay, yeah, go have a nice life or whatever. I want to be involved. I want to help you take care. And I think looking back on it, it was natural for me to want to help birth it completely because I had been for 40 years, nearly, sending some kind of product to press every single week mm-hmm. and often multiple ones. And so for me to say, okay, I'll just hang around and hope it all works out and it looks good and all that. No, no, no I wanted some, I wanted some say. So I met a person who helps people who are wanting to self-publish their books do it with extreme class and make sure they keep all their rights. And and she just has an extraordinary company. And I trained with her to become a self-publishing consultant because I thought I mostly did it because I just wanted my own people to have a great option for what to do next. Yeah. Almost like some closure for all the work done. Right. 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 Now that we've, now that we've done the writing's done, what's this going to look like and where's, where's it going to be? available and mm-hmm. yeah so. oh that's neat so you had to study for all of that I mean you had to work really hard when we talked a while ago you were knee deep in books and figuring it out and still am and it, it all together still am but in a different you know I, I just build on this the new things that I learned I just build a little bit on it so the training for that was over about a five-month period and many, many hours. And they're just a lot of little details that Mm. matter. Boy, when they say the devil's in the details, it is with anything, but it's especially in the details with that kind of work. You just want to be able to market it effectively and know that you gave it your best. You gave it its best chance to be seen and to represent who you are in the world. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. So Joyce, if you were to say, what have you learned? Is there like one thing that you could pull out of this that you say you've learned that has really made a difference for you? What has that been? In the last couple of three years or in? Like your takeaway. Could you both? I think it is both, actually. I think it's I want that one. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think? Do the work you were born to do. Do the work you're meant to do. I know that sounds frou-frou and dreamy and all those things, but when you are doing the thing that you're created to do, it's going to work. It's going to work. And it's a gift to be able to do that, but you have the gift. It's just not piling a lot of extra stuff on top of it. Do the thing. And I'm still, listen, that's still hard for me. I still want to go, well, I could add this, you know, or I could add this. What is the thing that you do that is uniquely, that you do that better than you do anything else 
and that people value. That's the thing to do. That's the thing to do. And so for me, that's really writing and helping people write about their life, writing about people's lives and helping people to write about their lives. Lots of people can help you with lots of things, including lots of things that I help people with. Lots of people can help you with that. But that's the thing that I think I do best is helping people put into words what they've learned and pay that experience forward. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. <laughs> that's really good. Do you have like a mantra or anything that keeps you going every day? Because we all have those days. Coffee? I mean, where's the coffee? Coffee. <laughs> How do you every one of us, every one of us has a story. I love, I just love the work. I love the writing. That's um, what jazz is you. Yeah. I love peeling back the layers. Does that mean it's easy? It's just very, very rewarding. Rewarding. Just start thinking about something and pretty soon you've got some words coming and a few more words coming. And then the next thing you know, something exists that didn't exist an hour ago. Oh, that's neat. I like that a lot. How can people find you? You can find me at my website, mystoriographer.com. That's the name of my business. I'm here to help people tell their stories. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, same, my storyographer. You can find me on LinkedIn at Joyce Beverly. You can send me an email, Joyce at mystoriographer.com. People are always saying, how do you spell that? And then I forget, I forget I made the word up, you know? <laughs> so story, S-T-O-R-Y, ographer. So instead of biographer, storyographer. That's how you can find me. And I'd love to hear from you. I am interested in people's stories. I'm interested in helping you make sense of it all for yourself and for people you may never meet, but people who will really benefit from hearing that they're not the only one mm -hmm. and that they can get through it. And like you said, everybody learns from their own trauma and chaos, and we all have it. We do. I don't know a single person who doesn't have, who hasn't had it in one way or another. While I've had my own, I feel very blessed. This is a good life. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. Joyce, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you and for having me. I loved it. I love what you had to say. And there's so many people that want and said, you know, I should write a book. And there's people who've been on my podcast. They're telling their story. And I said, oh, you need to write a book. So I hear that all the time. Let me, let me say something about that. There's some statistics out there. Something like 81% of people will say they want to write a book. But 0.008, something like that, actually get from I want to to doing it. Okay. Whoa. I want to work with those 0.008. I want to help you. I want to work with the 81%. Clearly, this is how you get overwhelmed. But if that's in your heart, but you don't know what to do for, because that's what people say, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to finish it and I don't know where to start. You know, I want to get started with. I would love to talk know. to you. I would love to talk to you. Yeah. And you've given me some ideas of how to compartmentalize yeah. and do a second wind kind of book. I have so many ideas for you. <laughs> well, good thing I know you and I know how to get in touch with you. Right, but I just told you too, if you didn't know me, <laughs> at mystoriographer.com or just go to mystoriographer.com, you'll find phone numbers, contact information. I'd love to hear from you. Joyce, you're going to help so many people tell their stories. And it's so cathartic for so many people. 
It really is. It helps you. It helps everyone, but it help it helps you in ways you can't imagine. Love it. Well, thank you so much again, my friend. And thank until you for having me. Oh, of course. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.